Good morning and welcome to a, another episode of An Unqualified Guide to the Good Life. My name is Adam and with me, as always, is Mr. Nicholas Schmaler. Hello, Nick. Hello, Adam. Thank you for uh, revealing my government name on uh, camera. You know, might have to change that as we've discussed. but um... We have discussed it and we have uh, discussed that it is nonsense. <laughs> well, you know, for a start, my name backwards is Salakim, so, you know, which is way more Lord of the Ringsy Middle Earth. We, so we're not in Lord gonna... of the Rings. I don't know how many times I have to tell you this, Nick. We're not in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Once will do. <laughs> so how are you today, Nick? Adam, I am well. I am, you know, I'm, I'm surviving. I've been running lots of 10Ks, you know. Lots, Much, lots uh, of 10Ks, or the one you posted to Instagram. <laughs> I've run, I've run, I've run like four this past week. You've run 40Ks? Yeah, wow. yeah, I, I've nearly, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna walk to the shop and that'll be a, a, a marathon for the week. That'll be the last 2.2K strapped onto it. Well, I'm glad you're so superior. Honestly, as am I. It's, uh, yeah. it's no, I've been, I've been, uh, I've been running. Um, I've gotten really into calisthenics, by which I mean I've watched lots of videos on YouTube and done so far none of the exercises recommended. But that's very much on my to-do list. And I started uh, reading a pretty cool book about World War Two. So nice. That sounds like a good week. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty slow week. Not many achievements to speak of, but uh, I take them as they come. You know. Um, how are you, Adam? I'm good. I'm likewise surviving. And one of the reasons I'm mm. surviving is I'm eating lots of food, which is... Ooh, which segue. just so happens to be <laughs> the topic of this week's podcast <laughs> is food. How much you eat? Listen, we don't have that long, but um, what we do have are some quotes that I've found on the internet about food. Yeah, from some illustrious sources. From some illustrious sources. Uh, from, such, from such wise and prolific speakers as Oscar Wilde, Anthony Bourdain, and Remy the Rat from Ratatouille. Wow, I know, I know, I know whose opinion I'm excited <laughs> to hear. So well, to um, that is maybe he's coming last. <laughs> Fine. We'll start with Oscar Wilde. Um, Oscar Wilde says, After a good dinner, one can forgive anybody. Even one's own relations. Do you agree? What does it even mean? What does it even mean? You know, I know we said this about Socrates, but Oscar Wilde <laughs> was a bit of a bit of a shady character, yeah. if you ask me. Um, I personally would have gotten very sick of someone's random cryptic sentences <laughs> <laughs> that essentially make no sense. Um, I mean, imagine imagine you asked Oscar Wilde what you think about this book. And he said, all art is meaningless. <laughs> How do you have a conversation with that guy? Well, I think the, the aim is not to have a conversation with him, but get him to take you to dinner. <laughs> then you can just enjoy the Clearly. food. Um, I think it means that, yeah. you know, the, the value of good food is that it, it, makes, it makes everything just seem a little bit better. I agree with that. I would also say, um, and, you know, maybe uh, Snickers have channeled this, but, you know, you're not yourself when you haven't eaten and 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 so you know making decisions or judging people on an empty stomach is not necessarily a reflection of a rational mind you know because hunger is stronger than reason this is true and it's, it's you know it's something i see time and time again if if you know you're feeling stressed out or or worried or whatever 
A, are you hungry? B, are you thirsty? C, are you tired? If the answer to all of those yeah. is no, then you are legitimate in your threat. It's true. If not, it's, it's fine. True. You just need a little yeah. snack. A Snickers, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, but perhaps. Do you think Snickers you will sponsor us? That. <laughs> yeah, we should, uh, we should, we're just, okay, that's going to be a new feature for us. We're just going to start eating or just using random products and we'll shout them out and hopefully, hopefully we'll get, look, if Snickers sponsors us, I promise to eat like 50 in the course of the half an hour segment so that, <laughs> that way, that way I'll have done something, you know, sort of impressive. That's like 1.4 so, yeah. a minute. Yeah. Okay. Well, you didn't have to do the maths, but uh, yes. Shout out Snickers. Um, what I was gonna say is that when you're grumpy, as you mentioned, and you're either uh, hungry, thirsty, or tired, people are usually quite cheeky in the way they fuel up with snacks. But mostly, mostly you just you just drink water, don't you? When you're tired, do you do you do you like sodas and stuff like that? What's your Oh no, you, you drink Red Bull, don't you? No, Red Bull's gross. I used to work for energy drinks company Tenzing. Yeah, shout out, shout Tenzing, out Tenzing if Big you up want Tenzing. to sponsor us. Um, by the way, I never officially stopped working for them. I just went on holiday <laughs> and never worked again. But you did officially start. They paid me, but I never signed anything. Right. Maybe I shouldn't be revealing these business practices. No, Tenzing. Yeah, maybe not. Tenzing's pretty good. I got a lot of them for free, which is why I drank so many of them. Right, that makes sense. Have you ever found that when you're hungry, or when you're feeling hungry, it might actually just be dehydration and that water helps to kill your hunger? Or is that just a myth that scientists pervade? Mm, I, I, if I'm feeling sluggish, especially early in the morning, because I, I, I don't eat until noon, generally. Right, and you haven't had your fourth pot of coffee yet? I've only had one coffee this morning. And one tea. Really? <laughs> and a line of coke. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I find that if I'm if I'm like hungry before my breakfast, which is at noon, then then I'm usually just thirsty. I actually find that I, I often have I feel weirdly like sharper in the morning before I eat. Yeah, it's quite nice, isn't it? Like fasting, once you kind of unlock that, it's kind of like a runner's high. Yeah. We can agree then that maybe for the first time ever, uncontroversially, Oscar Wilde. Probably was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you heard it here first. Yeah. Um, he probably said that after a meal as well. He was probably he was probably starving. He was probably delusional half the time because he refused to eat because he was in high society. He was trying to embrace his figure. He's probably bulimic or something. And so he came up with all this nonsense. And then the one time he had a really good meal, he said something sensible like Mom that. was so pleased because she was finally forgiven. And that that's English literature right there. And moving on from English literature to American cooking, we have a quote from Anthony Bourdain. He said, good food is often, even most often, simple food. Wow. What do you think about that? Well, as someone who doesn't have the skills to make complex food, I'd be more inclined to believe that that's true because it would be comforting to me. But I think, um, like... Uh, Maybe a lot of people who, who, who don't have a, an absolute passion for cooking, you know, I first experienced the joys of cooking food for myself when I left the house for the first time. And, um, you know, I, I, think, I think although there is a lot of shitty stuff out there, um, which, I, which, I, which I dabbled in, you know. What, like 
You mean like illegal stuff? Like <laughs> eating endangered animals? No, or? I just, <laughs> no, I just mean okay. like junk food and stuff, you know. The kind of shit yeah. students eat. Um, but I also was quick to realize that um, if a little bit of effort and consideration was invested, you could actually cook um, a pretty nice meal for yourself and that delicious food does not necessarily amount to complicated food. Sometimes, sometimes simple is good, is wholesome, is healthy, um, is, is tasty. This is true, um, and, I, and I heard, uh, I, I listened to a TED talk once which said that the biggest indicator of whether your food is um, good for you or not is not its macros or anything like that, it's whether the food was made by a human being or a corporation. Corporations cook food very differently because they have to worry about economies of scale and they put all kinds of shit in there. Mm. And I, I do enjoy mm. simple food. I think simple recipes are often the best. I, 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 I actually have a book of uh, one-pot meals that have, like, five ingredients right. or less, usually. Like, that's great. Love that. I do think it's possible to take it too far. I have a very, very good Italian friend who she professed her love for, for simple cooking. She's like, guys, we're going to have something simple. And her idea of something simple was, like, pasta with olive oil and salt and that was it there was no like sauce of olive oil and salt on this pasta and like it was fine but it wasn't it didn't you feel should, like a you meal should, uh, you should uh, invite her over for dinner and then just give her like the raw ingredients to go into making pasta just give her like an egg and some flour <laughs> yeah it's deconstructed it's cuisine <laughs> This was also the friend, though, who insisted that we have good wine, and we went to the wine shop, and she picked up a bottle that was 100 francs, and we said, no, we'll have right. this bottle that's five well, you know, francs. It's, it's a question of directing yeah. your resources. You know, if you're spending 100 francs on wine, you probably can't afford to buy tomato sauce. <laughs> yeah. for your yeah. I think I will, I will just uh, close on this, on this Anthony Bourdain statement by saying that I think a lot of fast food is also pretty simple. So I think, I think the essence of what he's saying is that, in general, uh, simple might also equate to healthier. But, um, you know, you can also just deep fry anything and it'll taste delicious. And that's pretty simple. That's true. But I suppose a lot of fast food is simple in the way that an Apple product is simple, right? Like it looks sleek. It's very easy to use. It's easy to consume. But on the inside, it's got all this stuff in it. And billions of dollars of R&D. <laughs> and if you pour a little bit of water on it, it's <laughs> fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Moving on to the final quote this time. Um, and I know it's you've been waiting for. It's from Remy. And Remy said, um, humans don't just survive. They discover. They create. I mean, just look at what they do with food. Wow. That's so beautiful. Ratatouille is uh, probably the best movie of all time. I've heard um, that said before. Wow. Okay. Well, we're not going to argue about that because you clearly don't agree and I'm not ready for that conversation. Yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't look to um, food as the ultimate sign of our creativity, although it's certainly one. And um, coming from Remy, that's pretty wise, I think, given that also, you know, one of the major discoveries that has distanced us from the animal kingdom is the discovery of fire, you know, and uh, what we can do with cooking food. Um, and uh, I mean, you know, you're never gonna, you're never gonna see a lion hosting a barbecue, <laughs> you know. Um, well, I mean, actually, I've I've just submitted a proposal for a new kind of zoo, and I think there's some <laughs> real potential in it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I absolutely agree on the fact that we can combine flavors, the fact that we can use spice, you know, to in, in enhance food, um, is uh, not just a sign of our capabilities 
as uh, you know, or or of, or of our status as the alphas in the animal world. <laughs> Is but, that what we um, are? The alphas of the animal world? You mean you and I, or the human race as a whole? <laughs> <laughs> the human race, even though even though I'm near the bottom <laughs> of the human race. The race as a whole is doing pretty well, and I find solace in that, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I I would I would agree with that. I think uh, I think uh, Remy, in his infinite wisdom, has blessed us again. As do I. On that note um, of animals and food, have you have you ever eaten insects? Yes. That's weird. How does that work actually with vegetarians? Uh, so I, um, the way I, I am not a vegetarian because I think it is uh, intrinsically wrong to eat animals. Wait, sorry, are you saying you're not a vegetarian for yes. these reasons? These are not the reasons or I'm vegetarian. You're okay. I am a vegetarian. vegetarian. I am a vegetarian, mm, and I'm not a vegetarian because I believe it is intrinsically wrong to eat animals. I'm a vegetarian because okay. a vegetarian diet is is less impactful on the environment. Now, insects are the least sort of resource intensive um, source of, of protein that there, there, there is uh, from, from animal food. Like in terms of the resources required to create a gram um, of protein, it's like an order of magnitude less than beef and significantly less than, than uh, poultry or eggs. Yeah, kind of stole, stole my segment. Sorry. Kind of stole, stole my whole also, I anyway, think that cultivation of insects can be um, beneficial in creating a sort of circular economy. You can you can create sort of traps for insects on farms that both stop them from eating produce that we want to eat and create a new source of produce in in that uh, movement without the need for these nasty nasty pests. So what you're saying is that it it's not in conflict with your your kind of world view and how it relates to your diet and and your intentions there. So you're, you're, you're kind of an eco-warrior and e- eating insects. Sort yeah, of I, I mean, I like to think of myself as kind of a druid and I have a big staff and I just get yeah. bugs. Yeah, you're the only person who thinks of yourself as a druid, Adam. You, you, you were going to say a big beard. You were just going to say, say a big beard. I a big beard. staff and I nibble insects from the woods. Just because you have a stick and you want to swallow the <laughs> fly by accident does not make you a druid. But I admire... Your commitment to making everything sound cooler than it really is. <laughs> Thank you. That's why we started this podcast. <laughs> Don't give too much away. Yeah. Well. So you know, you've um, you've said a lot. But, um, I, I <laughs> too much, in fact. But uh, no, I I myself am uh, skeptical, uh, or have been skeptical um, about the merits of it in in being an insectivore. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'm starting to open up as of as of half an hour ago when I did some brief research <coughs> on the topic, and you know there there are actually a lot of merits to uh, eating insects, uh, which you mentioned actually. Um, but uh, for one, they're very resource effective, as you mentioned. Uh, producing insects is very very is very um, resource cheap, uh, especially in contrast uh, to some uh, other products. Like, um, well, like, like, like beef, really, but a, a lot of that is also just the amount of a land yeah. and, and the amount of feed that we need to produce in order to feed cows and pigs and, and the rest of it. They're also uh, nearly uh, zero on greenhouse emissions, very, very low cost of emissions, which is, uh, you know, again, a, a big uh, pollutant, a big case for using them. Um, they're very sustainable, you know, we're not, there is no shortage of insects. As you may have noticed, 
over the course of your life. Um, and actually, most, most surprisingly, um, they're, they're, they're pretty high in nutrients. Like, they're yeah. actually a great source of uh, proteins, which, which means that um, they could essentially be fit into a protein bar, you know? Yeah. And, um, and you can nibble on, on, a, on, a, on a cricket protein bar after, you, after your workout or before it, as you please. And actually, that is already currently available. Uh, Ascento is the company which makes the uh, insect burgers that are stacked uh, in, our, in, our, in our local co-ops here in Switzerland. They also make yeah. a protein bar, a cricket-based protein bar. Yeah, which, um, which I'm eager to try. I personally haven't tried insects. You've had the burger, you say? I've had the burger. I've had the bar as well. How was that? The bar or the burger? Either or. Well, the, the, the bar was... Honestly, the bar wasn't that good. But it wasn't good, not good because it was gross. It was good, wasn't good because it wasn't the kind of bar that I like. It was very, like, um, it was kind of like a fruit and nut bar, very heavy on the raisins. Not a fan of that. The burger was interesting. It tasted quite nutty, uh, but it, as a veggie burger, it was, it was pretty good. My, uh, I have two criticisms of it only. One is that it was quite dry, but I could, you know, you could sort that out with some sauce or some guacamole or something on top of your insect burger. The other was that it was considerably more expensive than just a beef burger, but that's due to uh, economies of scale in manufacturing and whatnot. So hopefully that will change as more people buy this. I guess it will require, uh, yeah, um, um, a larger commitment from a greater majority of the population. Um, Although as far as I understand it, there is um, a greater degree of um, engagement with uh, insect as a product in um, more developing parts of the world. In part because, you know, uh, maybe food resources are not so readily available, whereas insects generally tend to be, you know, and having figured out that they're a good source of protein and nutrients, they can be quite a cost-effective way of feeding a family or some children. Yeah, but I think it's important to know that this isn't, this isn't a purely sort of uh, resource economic choice. There is a long tradition in, in particularly many, um, many Asian countries of, of um, insect consumption. Um, I think, uh, what is it, like caramelised crickets is, is a thing in, in parts of Southeast right. Asia? Interesting. Um, which I've not had, but sounds, yeah. sounds nice. Yeah, yeah, crunchy. I think, um, yeah, that's, that's probably true. I'm just going to defer to your superior anthropological knowledge. And, uh, and leave it at that. I, I, I will say, though, that um, uh, on researching insect food, uh, that there, there were a couple of things which came up, and, and, and largely they were to do with the fact that there is a, a lack of awareness of um, potential allergies that insects might trigger, of some of the potential bacteria that they carry, and, um, and, and yeah, that potentially there may, in fact, be some negative health benefits. I think that it really just comes down to uh, a lack of... Um, information here, well, here, sure. here, here in the Western world. Sure, then there needs to be more more research. But no one's suggesting you eat them raw, like cook <laughs> them. The, the bacteria will die. <laughs> like, yeah, that's probably true. Um, um, allergens, yeah, that's yeah, that's not great. You know, that's not great. But um, hopefully, the the research will be there soon. And I've I've certainly not heard of uh, anyone dying from eating a bug. But maybe no. if you ate like a nasty bug, then you would. Like if you're allergic to bees, don't eat a bee. Yeah. Well, yeah. But again, that's that's kind of the point. Is I mean, I don't know that many people who eat bugs. Like that's that's kind of that's kind of the point. That's why we don't know. Um, and given that there are allergies to certain, you know, uh, insects already, um, the likelihood is that there are allergies which are as yet undiscovered. You know, or potentially some dormant viruses that uh, insects are the carriers of, and if we start ingesting them. You know how ominous if only we'd done this podcast 
six months together. Anyway, um, so yeah, so so insects you approve of. You you would like to see more of that in the mainstream. Uh, yeah. Not only would I like to see more of them, I fully believe that by mid-century, insects will be a major part of, of all of our diets. Cool. Is there any particular insect recipe that you're looking forward to? Insect ice cream? Cricket ice cream? Uh, no, I think just the refinement of pancake. The... I have had a scorpion once, actually. You have? Just yeah. a, like a grilled scorpion? It was a fried scorpion. Fried scorpion. Nice and crunchy. It wasn't, it was actually, it just tasted like a french fry. It was fine. Really? Did you have it with yeah. ketchup? No, 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 it was just on a stick. It's kind of disrespectful to eat a scorpion with ketchup. It's real. Yeah, I, I think so too. <laughs> I mean, just because But you know what, the scorpion animal. wasn't complaining. <laughs> you enjoyed that, didn't you? I did. I did. <laughs> um, no, well, that's, that's um, fair enough. Uh, and uh, you've, you've uh, demonstrated to us that... Um, Eating insects is not at odds with your with your vegetarian diet, so to speak. Perhaps you may have to relabel vegetarian. Maybe it's a confusing use of the word. You know, you might have invented something new entirely. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, maybe. This could maybe. be big. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> I enjoyed watching your mind work there. You maybe know. I can copyright it. Yeah. Um, have you attempted no, any it's... other any other diets? Have you uh, before you found vegetarianism? Are you? Um, are you looking to expand upon that? Are you trying to go vegan or where, oh, where are you at with all this? You know what? Ultimately, I should go vegan. And I have been Again, vegan. for the same reasons? For because the same reasons. Which, which were that you, you, you don't actually care about animals, couldn't give a shit if they died or not. But you care about <laughs> no, the planet, which is weird like, because animals in the planet seem to be related to each other. But I like an animal. If you could wipe out the ecosystem with no detriment to the planet... You would be munching on burgers every day. Well, well, well. Here's the thing, Nick. The environment is the ecosystem. Well, no, exactly, so exactly. Just think about that. Exactly. I'm trying to poke holes in your theory. Listen. Don't throw it back at me. I like a I like a cow as much as the next guy. Uh, <laughs> a wee hailing cue. <laughs> if Swiss. unless the next guy is Swiss, is <laughs> a Swiss farmer. <laughs> yeah, okay, now exactly. Um, okay. So yeah, veganism. You um. You're considering your move towards there. Have you at any point tried that practice and failed? Well, oh, failed. Well, I did. Um, I did Veganuary this this January. Um, Successfully. And I did, uh, mostly, it was tough. Like once I, I got um, a packet of crisps from a vending machine because I was in the library and I got hungry, and I thought I'd got salt and vinegar, but in fact I got cheese and onion, and I was like, ah. Oh, failed this one oh well but you know i think it's more about the spirit of it than than doing it to the letter right you just get back up on the wagon the wagon's not very far away i don't think so i don't think you can <laughs> you could because you could just use that to excuse anything i'm like oh is this a burger oh well i tried no, you can't you can't just you can't it's just pretend about the spirit. to be ignorant if you know you can't say i'll have your biggest hunk of meat and then say oh i didn't know this wasn't vegan <laughs> Absolute dullard. <laughs> it's all about the spirit. It's about the. Uh, you know what? This is. What about you? Are you doing anything good? <laughs> no, that's uh, that's very much my approach. Um, denial, <laughs> denial. Thankfully, at the moment, my uh, exercising habits are as good as my eating habits are poor, I which see. is the only reason I think I'm still here. But um, I'm working on that. And um, I, too, have aspirations of veganism. Although I'm torn between veganism and uh, 
and uh, no carb keto diet, which is mostly just the consumption of animal products with some avocados and nuts thrown in the mix um, because I'm trying to unlock my superhuman caveman abilities. When I was uh, training for a fight, I did try to do both vegetarian and keto. Yeah. And let me tell you, Nick, it was hell. <laughs> Yeah, because there's not much left. If you don't know what a ketogenic diet is, basically <laughs> you're cutting carbs out entirely and the idea is that the glucose that you, you, you receive from carbohydrates no longer becomes your energy source, but rather the fat that you have stored in your body becomes your energy source. And because you have so much of it and you can run on it for so long, the idea is that your endurance becomes much more efficient, right? Um, so you essentially eat uh, a higher dose of uh, both saturated and unsaturated fats, a higher concentration of proteins, um, and then you eat lots of leafy greens alongside that, right? So um, basically a low-carb diet, um, but you're, where you're very much encouraged to, you know, eat bacon and avocado every day um, and, and walnuts and, uh, and steak and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of too good to be true until you realize that all of that rich stuff is quite exhausting. Yeah, also the moment you have a, a piece of bread, you'll instantly gain back everything you just yeah, lost in the yeah, ketogenic yeah. diet. I mean, it takes, it takes a little, like, two, three-day window for your body to transition into a different energy source. Once you're there, it does actually feel pretty great. Um, and I personally did feel a lot more effective when I was training. Um, but, um, but cake, you know? <laughs> and ice cream and, and beer and all of that good stuff so um so yeah no i think probably i will eventually end up as a vegan i mean i watched uh that documentary the game changers yeah which, that which, great. which which was a game changer for me really i mean i think it, it, it helped me get rid of the stigma that um you know uh you know high, high level athletes which um you know I'm not one of but i i i i feel a certain sense of kinship towards um just you and Conor McGregor. <laughs> don't ruin this He's definitely not me. a vegan, though. He's definitely He's not definitely a vegan. definitely not a vegan. No. I think the least vegan person, probably. He's an alcoholic, world. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway. Um, yeah, it, it helped me, it helped me um, get over the stigma of the kind of, like... Yeah, bro, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna gym, bro, and lift weight, bro, and then we're gonna eat steak, bro, because that's what we do, because that's because we're men, we're men, bro. So I no longer, I didn't really ever think like that, but I but I I decisively no longer think like that as of that does. Interesting. What a valuable thing to a recognize and b do. Unless you have any further thoughts on on uh, diets, I think we can we can. Uh, perhaps start wrapping this up we have one more segment yeah we've been we've been talking for about half an hour now and we've talked about some quite heavy stuff we have um, and, and <laughs> heavy it's in the belly. time heavy in the belly it's really sitting there like a rock and uh, maybe it's time for a little a little palate cleanser which is very appropriate as a name that was an accident but um, accident actually introducing the feature palate cleanser on a first food <laughs> conversation <laughs> That's the new feature sound effect, by the okay, way. Okay, so we both... So, basically, in this segment of the show, um, we, we both have a little fact to state, which is entirely unrelated to the conversation we've just been having, but um, it's just an opportunity for further food for thought, and which we might um, pick up uh, as the start of a new topic going forward. Who knows? And uh, Adam has been commissioned to provide us with something weird and strange about the animal world, and yep. um, I have uh, delved into the depths of human history 
in order to uncover something weird oh, this and is mythical. So exciting! It's like having a real podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, uh, Adam, would you do the honor of providing us with our first palate cleanser? I mean, firstly, is yours jolly or not? Because mine isn't very jolly. It's weird. It's, I mean, it's fairly jolly. It's also not unrelated to what we've been talking about, despite what you just said. But. Um, but it's quite jolly. It's okay. about gorillas. Okay, okay. Would you like to start? I would. Let's go, Let's do this. Okay, so uh, an adult male gorilla can eat up to 18 kilograms of vegetation every day, which is about 10% of its body weight. This would mean about 80 heads of broccoli. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of broccoli. It's a lot of broccoli. They just, they're just chowing down on leaves every day. And here's the thing about gorillas, Nick. The great physique. Vegan. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say game changer. Man. Yeah, game changer. Gorillas are ripped. They are. And also So are rhinos. We don't know how ripped gorillas could be. They don't know any powerlifting techniques. <laughs> this is just how they are. We've never seen a gorilla at full strength. <laughs> There's so much potential to unlock. There's so much potential to unlock. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's definitely a feature. I, I definitely want to think about animal potential and its untapped. I mean, like, what if we got leopards to race professionally? Like, they'd win. They, well, cheetahs actually. Sorry, not leopards. Both, leopards are pretty quick too, I think. Yeah, but cheetahs, you know, they, they're just spotty cats. You know, the Greeks believed that lions came from the were the offspring of a of a male lion and a leopard. Female lions, they they thought just didn't really do anything. Wow. Well. Yeah. By which I mean that's, ancient Greeks, not just like yeah, modern yeah, no, Athenians. No, that's, that's the ancient Greeks for you. Nick, I'd, I'd love to hear your fact now. Would you? Well, I'd, I'd, yeah. love, I'd love to share it. Um, Please. So, so mine is uh, pretty grim. I've been um, reading recently about Japanese history, particularly mm-hmm. um, the samurai history. Mm-hmm. And as you may or may not know, uh, Japan was and has been a relatively isolated country for a very, very long time. Sure, yeah, yeah. Part of the, part of the um, Tokugawa shogunate. Right, exactly, exactly. What a flex! <laughs> that was me flexing people at home. I didn't, I didn't see a difference. But anyway, uh, uh, the, the Japanese were very rarely uh, invaded, although they did successfully push back uh, a Mongol conquest once, um, and a Chinese assault as well. And in the 16th century, their uh, shogunate, uh, their shogun of the time, uh, basically the warrior samurai who ran the country and dominated the military, Toyotomi Hideyoshi was his name, um, had the ambition of Japan becoming the next great big power in that region of the world. So he sought to um, colonize most of China um, and maybe potentially even reach India. Um, but obviously to get to China, he first had to get through Korea, which was often um, pitted in between these two states. And um, so the Japanese initially very successfully invaded Korea. Now, samurai have a very particular code of honor. And um, one of their codes of honor is that it is important for them to know how many people they have killed in battle. And the only way they can be sure of that is to um, twist and turn, as they called it, basically chop the heads off their enemies and collect them as trophies in order to guarantee that they were the murderers. But because they killed so many Koreans in this battle, they actually only went around the battlefields and chopped their noses off, which they then pickled in barrels 
and they sent oh. about 38,000 oh. pickled noses back to Japan. And they buried them next to Kyoto in a hill called the Mound of Ears, which is mistakenly understood as the Mound of Ears. It was actually the Mound of Noses um, and is known as Mimizuka. And it's still there now. The historian who introduced me to this fact referred to it as Japan's least popular tourist attraction. So there you go. We think of the samurai as a very honorable, uh, very codified people. But um, they did some pretty grim things as well. And that was one of them. And it fascinated me because it was so weird and so surreal that I thought I would share. Well, um, thank you for sharing that, Nate. I feel you may have misunderstood the concept of a palate cleanser, (laughs) which is to leave you feeling um, light and refreshed after a meal, whereas I feel, well, just quite dark and heavy after that. But, But do you feel full of information? I feel full, I feel so full, I may have to go and vomit. Well, well, refer back to that Oscar Wilde quote, you know. <laughs> I've given you food for thought, please forgive me. I, maybe I will. Um, Nick, thank you so much for potting with me today. Thank you, man, this was fun, this was fun. I think, like, uh, we're getting the hang of this, and, um, you know, yeah. we would like to involve our um, ever-growing listenership. Yeah. And um, on that note, uh, you know... If you have any thoughts as to, um, you know, the practice of consuming insects, if you have any topics we'd like to discuss, uh, you'd like us to discuss, if you have any palate cleansers you'd like to point us to, because obviously I don't understand the concept, then um, please share. Adam, how can they get in touch with us? You can get in touch with us at newbohemianmagazine at gmail.com or alternatively our individual Facebook accounts because everyone listening to this knows who we are. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening today. My name is Adam. And my name is Salakin. Okay, well, have a wonderful day regardless. Thank you and goodbye. Over and out. <laughs>